Thank you for joining us for this heteronormative episode of the Facts and Friends podcast. <laughs> My name is Robot Chris, and joining me this week is the human fleshbag you call Jedson. Hello, Jedson. Uh, that that's not my name. Also, where's Tino? Tino was forced from the air due to the overwhelming support by listeners for a petition demanding his jokes be cut from the show, Jedson. Still not my name. I, I thought the petition was just to cut his jokes. What is Tino without jokes? It is like a vibrator without batteries. It is like Don Jr. without cocaine. It is like Rush Limbaugh without terminal lung cancer. It is like the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria without a child sex dungeon. It is like a mass grave without thousands of rotting bisexual corpses piled in. Uh, that's not a good sound. Do we have a plan C? There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. That was a hot mess inside a dumpster fire, inside a train wreck. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this 100% Tino joke-free episode <laughs> of the Facts and Friends podcast. My name is Tino, and joining me this week is my former friend oh, and current co-host, Ouch, Jedson. Not my name. <laughs> the guy who uncoached, unprompted, and shockingly said <laughs> on our last show these words in this order about Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. All she needs to... B qualified is a black pussy. No brain needed. <laughs> appalling. Resetting the timer. Tr tr <laughs> yeah, reset the timer. <laughs> Truly appalling, Judson. What do you have to say for yourself? Did you call me Judson finally? Yeah. Uh <laughs> it's a mistake. <laughs> It's an accident. <laughs> I meant to call you Jedson. <laughs> it makes him mad. The people at Panera Bread call him that. Oh, um, it was terrible. It's not the first time. My, the power company thinks, thinks that's my name, too. So, quick question, Judson. Did, did you sign that petition? Did you sign it? I did not sign that petition, Tina. You didn't? Okay, because quite a few people signed it. There, there were there were more than, more than one, yeah. A few more than one. A few more, yeah. Okay, well, enough of Plan C here, okay? Plan C, <laughs> plan C was me to be on the show, but tell no jokes. That's not going to work. What? No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to double down on the Tino jokes this show. Oh, no. And that'll learn all y'all. <laughs> anyway, Judson, there is so much to talk about this week. But with Thanksgiving approaching, what better place to start than with the main course at so many family gatherings this week? Coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. Do you know Scott Atlas? I am familiar with his let's say work for lack of a better term. <laughs> he is now, is he in charge of the coronavirus task force or is he just on it? I don't know what his actual position is. I know okay. he's not qualified to be in charge of it. Well, that's really what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> he's not an epidemiologist. He's never studied pandemics. He's a neuroradiologist, right? Right. And probably not a very good one. Pro probably. 
I mean, who knows? Supposedly Ben Carson was an excellent brain surgeon, and look at him now. <laughs> I almost played the crowd gasping drop again. <laughs> Scott Atlas shared his thoughts on Thanksgiving, and um, I thought I'd, I'd share it with you. I'm sure they're profound. Oh, they are. This kind of isolation is one of the unspoken tragedies of the elderly who are now being told, don't see your family at Thanksgiving. For many people, this is their final Thanksgiving, believe it or not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And the more people who listen to you, the higher that number of people will be. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> in case In case your grandparents die, you should spend Thanksgiving with them. Oh, and also, if they weren't going to die, now they might. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm having. I'm having trouble with this Thanksgiving thing. I have friends. Really? Who... <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start a petition next week. <laughs> I think <laughs> about you, um, and I bet I'll get more signatures. I bet you will. Uh, uh, so no, I have friends who are liberal and you know believe in science and right. believe that this is a dangerous virus. Who are still going to mixed households, and the CDC has specifically said you shouldn't. They've said basically if you if this if if people have not been living in your household for the last fourteen days, they're not part of your household, and you shouldn't have Thanksgiving with them. Right, that's what they've said, and it scares me that people who actually put stock in what the experts say are still going to kind of eh, not follow it. Right. We're, we're doing Thanksgiving with our, our bubble. Right. My, my in-laws. So that's, that's, that's a responsible way to do it. I mean, that's as, as responsible as, yeah. Um, I think after bars, small family gatherings is the second, the second biggest way COVID is spread. Yeah, abs- absolutely. No, no question. So this is what worries me. And it's because so many of the people who have it and spread it are asymptomatic. Yep. Like just because you're not sick doesn't matter. Of course. And that's that's the thing. It's, it's so hard for people to understand that, even when you know that's the case. Right. It's, it's hard. It's hard to do. It is yeah. a sacrifice. It's a difficult sacrifice. It, it, it absolutely is. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I agree. It's disheartening to see people who who th- seem to agree with the science right. who are now disregarding what the science says. But at the same time, we do have to you know, acknowledge the fact that the CDC has said many things over the last year. And the fact that we agree with what they're saying now and that it is science-based, you know, it doesn't mean that the things they were saying before were as trustworthy. And so it's it's hard to... The CDC is finally, I think, coming around and not being pushed upon politically. I feel like... I- I feel like that's an. I feel like you're hedging a little bit. I, I, I f- am. I am because I think it's hard to to say that we should listen to the CDC now when I know you and I have said previously the CDC is saying some stuff that is not right. But that's because the CDC was in a tug of war, a political tug of war, wherein the White House is trying to control their messaging. I absolutely agree. That this isn't that. This well, is demonstrably not that. We know that. <laughs> anyone, any, <laughs> come on, anyone who's who's following this halfway following this and has half a brain understands that this like so where i where i take issue with you is that i think saying that the past things the cdc has said have uh, come in conflict with science and experts is a bit of a red herring because that's not what this is about their statement here is uh, there's there's no reason to doubt it right i don't have any reason to doubt it I what I what else. I have reason to to do is to say that the average person is here. I'm not even talking about the average person. I think the average person and and particularly the average Republican or Trump supporter is going to <laughs> the CDC schmeezy. They don't care about that. I was just <laughs> first talking about people who actually like 
believe in the science. What worries me is that those people are doing it, and we already know the masses who disregard science and and voted for Trump and think coronavirus is overblown or a hoax or or both. Sure. Those people, they might invite more people to Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> they probably will. I'm not giving them a pass. I'm just saying that you know we're, we're already saying that we know that this is a sacrifice. We know that asymptomatic spread is hard to wrap your head around even when you understand it it's hard to you know believe that you could be carrying it and that when you're hearing conflicting things out of the cdc maybe not the high information voter but the lower information voters are gonna be able to rationalize that well the cdc isn't always right because clearly in the recent past they haven't been and hearing this new thing from them while we agree that the science says this is what we should be doing it's gonna be easier for them to to kind of ignore that advice, that that directive, because of their innate desire to spend time with their family and inability to kind of grasp how serious this is. But what you've said basically is that the history of the CDC has given a little bit of substance to the excuses they're telling themselves uh, in order to justify their choice. It has. The, the, the Trump administration has destroyed the credibility of so many of our institutions. But it has. No, I completely agree. But let's not lose sight of the fact that it is an excuse that they're telling themselves. Oh, it absolutely. It's, it's, it's rationalizing something they yeah. know they shouldn't be doing. Right. No, absolutely. That's that's. So I'm begging you, our listeners. That is half of what humans do on a daily basis, though. Sure, but this is <laughs> deadly. <laughs> well, so so are lots of things we do on a daily basis. I don't know. Having that extra, you know, large French fry. What about ism right there? (laughs) Those things are all dangerous. And we rationalize them all in different ways, but similar in the fact that we ignore the science that we don't like, that tells us not to do the things that we know we shouldn't do by, you know, impugning the science in some ways. And they don't always get the right answers or, or whatever it is. All right. It's human nature. Well, we can't spend 10 minutes on this. So. <laughs> we already did. Okay. <laughs> so uh, just one last thing on COVID um, is you posted sort of like an infographic. Yeah. Um, yeah. To our. It's from uh, the Boston Globe front page. The Boston Globe. You want to share that with folks? <laughs> sure. Yeah. This is the front page of the Boston Globe. I assume it's coming out tomorrow. Sunday's edition. Numbers are off the charts now. Yes, we we did our weekly like uh, cheering on of COVID in our podcast Discord channel. Yep, two hundred thousand. We did it. We did it, we America. Did it. And we had some doubters, and I believed the whole time. <laughs> I knew Americans are stupid and selfish enough to get us there. Yep. But sh- but share with us this troubling infographic on what <laughs> Trump has done since the election. Since the election, President Trump has sent two hundred ninety eight tweets, one hundred seven of which have been flagged by Twitter as misleading. That's a, almost 36%. Yeah. He's lost 12 top officials. So we got 298 tweets, 107 flagged as false. Yep. Uh, 12 top officials. Filed 33 lawsuits. 33 lawsuits. Uh, lost 31 of them so far. Oh, we're going to get into that a little later. <laughs> Made five public appearances. Okay. He's played four rounds of golf. I guess, oh, those are, I guess those don't count as public appearances. So we've seen him nine times if you, if you add them together. Right. He's mentioned COVID-19 or the pandemic four times. Oh, goodness. As, as as many rounds of golf as he has played. Now, does that include the 300 tweets? No, I, I don't think he's been tweeted about the pandemic. He's only been tweeted about the election and how it was stolen. So for, I'm just saying, like, it's it's more damning if there's, uh, you know, nine public appearances and sure. also 300 tweets. So four out of 309 times. Yes, exactly. Right. And meanwhile... 18,927 Americans have died from COVID-19. Right. 
And he um, bagged the pandemic response session at the G20 today. He did. He he went to play golf yeah. instead of going to the virtual G20, attending the virtual G20 meeting on the pandemic, on the global pandemic that he's currently failing to address. Right. He's not going to have to address it come January. No, he's not. But, but you'd think, given but his failures... Us, the rest of us will, turns out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just absolutely stunning failures on COVID as, as we are now clocking just about a million cases a week. Yeah. Okay. Well, enough of depressing COVID news. <laughs> Let's give everyone an update on what's going on with the Ku Klutz clan. <laughs> well, uh, we just is, mentioned. <laughs> we did mention a little bit of it. That is the body the vast body of operatives be they lawyers or spokespeople pundits congress people that are all working to aiding and abetting eight well they're all working to undermine u.s democracy yeah because they want to uh satisfy trump voters yeah um, and trump's ego I and mean, trump's ego it's so you gave the stat um it, it <laughs> only one of 32 court cases were one. Yep. They filed another one recently that has just been... I think that's why it went up to 33. Yeah. But yeah, they've only actually won one, and it was not really all that impactful on any kind of final results. No, it f affected very few ballots, uh, and it was purely a procedural issue. It wasn't going to change the vote total. Yeah. So they've moved on now to... Now they're suing electors. They're suing electors now? I hadn't heard that. In one. Nevada, yeah. They sued electors uh -huh. in Nevada. One of them was, or at least claimed to be, a homeless person who was an elector, and so she was sued. Uh, they sued all the electors in Nevada. Or Nevada. I, I, I got it is Nevada, time. yeah. Yeah, no, I know. So they're suing the person because they are homeless, and therefore they aren't a resident? No, they're of... suing all the electors. Right, okay, so I'm confused then. About what, what are they, on what grounds are they suing the electors? So it was just in a suit that seeks to invalidate the state's vote tally, claiming substantial irregularities, improprieties, and fraud, but it also does name all Biden pledged electors individually as defendants. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because even if, even if there were, were widespread irregularities in the Nevada vote, and there are not, no, the electors have nothing to do with that. They do not. <laughs> they vote for the president after the state votes for the electors. Well, I think the theme that runs through these lawsuits is that they're baseless and make zero sense whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something I'm missing there in that. I mean, we're just reading a quick synopsis and something. perhaps there's some legal argument there somewhere there is that not. I'm missing, but... No, 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 there is not. Just, that doesn't make any sense. You sound like, you sound like the judges actually in court when they bring these cases. <laughs> Yeah, walk me through this one more time, Mr. Giuliani. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> and 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 finally on the Ku Klutz clan, there was that move in Michigan in Wayne County where Detroit is. Ugh, fucking people. Initially, the the canvassing board, two of the members, Republicans, they refused to certify the vote. Right. And then they took it back. Well, there's like three hours of like protests and phone calls and right. outrage. And then they took it back and voted unanimously to certify the vote in Wayne County. And then they took that back. Well, no, no. Then they got phone calls from Trump. They did. And then they took that and they decided they wanted to take that back. Right. So they rescinded their, they tried to rescind their. Yeah, you can't do that. Turns out. One of them is Monica Palmer. She's a GOP activist. And she, uh, she did say only votes outside of Detroit should be certified, which. Seems a little racist to me. Seems a lot racist when 80% of Detroit is black and it's the exact opposite in those areas outside Detroit. 
there was another county, large county, that was 95% white that had even more irregularities and she had no problem certifying those Of course votes. not. Why, why, why would she have a problem with that? Because her guy probably won there. Oh, yeah. The other one is William Hartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N-N, if you want to uh, contact him. I might. Someone did uh, peruse his, his Twitter account. Oh, no. And he posted things like a picture of Obama with a missing tooth with the words break stuff, seal, steal things. Oh, that's also racist. A picture of Obama in a pirate hat smoking a cigarette with an eye patch. Okay. Making him look cool. I don't. I don't know. A picture <laughs> with Obama again standing. Uh, I don't know if this is an, a specific Muslim person, but <laughs> but uh, but standing uh, with a Muslim person in the backdrop is the space shuttle. And the Muslim person is saying, I'm only interested in learning how to fly it, not land it. Uh, Obama, Muslims, and NASA is the title of that. Lovely. And uh, a picture of a person with a t-shirt with a Michigan license plate that says Detroit on it. And beneath that, it says Kwame made my license plate. Also (sighs) racist. racist. I think the uh, pirate one, I just pulled it up to look at it. I think it's supposed to be, I think it's actually a gay slur. Oh, really? He's got a big hoop earring and a very colorful bow tie on no i think it might be derogatory in that sense well i wouldn't be surprised no it seems like it would track everything else was derogatory to some group of minority right it's shocking i feel feel like you shouldn't have been left out so i'm glad that you you got you got a mention there thanks man thanks (laughs) there is a hero however judson his name is ned stabler he is on the Wayne County Board of Canvassers. And this is what he had to say about his uh, colleagues doing what they did. This is prior to them changing their minds. Right. So I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just want to let you know that the Trump stick, the stain of racism that you, William Hartman and Monica Palmer have just covered yourself in is going to follow you throughout history. Your grandchildren are going to think of you like Bull Connor or George Wallace. Monica Palmer and William Hartman will forever be known in southeastern Michigan as two racists who did something so unprecedented that they disenfranchised hundreds of thousands of black voters in the city of Detroit because they were ordered to. Probably, I know, Monica, you think Q told you to do it or some other crazy stuff. Oh, yeah, she's a QAnon person. Just know when you try to sleep tonight that millions of people around the world now on Twitter know the name Monica Palmer and William Hartman as two people completely racist and without an understanding of what integrity means or a shred of human decency. You, The law isn't on your side. History won't be on your side. Your conscience will not be on your side. And Lord knows, when you go to meet your maker, your soul is going to be very, very warm. <laughs> now, I don't really believe in heaven and hell, but no. I, I wanted to play the whole that whole that whole section because he does condemn their everlasting souls to hell. I do. Uh, I do kind of like that. That's right. I mean, if you're gonna go, you you, you go hard. So, well, so they believe it. So yeah. <laughs> oh, he went super hard. Hats <laughs> off to you. Um, they are absolutely deplorable, and that is not a compliment, friends. Never has been. Turns out, it, yeah, never has been. Embrace it all you want. Yeah. But we have to move on, Judson. There's. <sighs> we could talk about the Ku Klux Klan all day. Oh, they, they certainly give us enough material. They're going to resurface a little later on, at least one of them. Excellent. But we need to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse because he no. made Bond. No. He did $2 million, uh, the Bond was set, and he made it. Have a listen. 
A judge granted Rittenhouse that $2 million cash bond, a bond the father of one victim felt was still too low. He has people out there that will help him, uh, organizations of uh, militia members that are raising money for his defense right now. So that little noise you heard wasn't your device or your computer or however you're listening to it. It was, it was a Zoom call that was recorded. Uh. That's a lot of court cases are being handled right and uh some some one of them uh, something went off during that zoom call yeah uh, but anyway that victim's parent is not wrong clearly not wrong that's exactly what happened fight back law uh raised almost six hundred thousand dollars and mostly from small donors your friend and comrade my the my pillow guy wait, wait, my uh, friend my friend i thought you liked the my pillow guy i do not like uh, the my pillow guy oh, okay well um, based on what you said about Kamala Harris, I just made some assumptions. <laughs> uh, the My Pillow guy uh, also chipped in a, a fair sum. I reset the timer again. Okay, let me actually play it. <laughs> you didn't play it, but you used it against me. But and Justin, Justin, this is where the story takes a difficult turn for me. Okay. Um, for for a few reasons. One, it's really going to show my age. <laughs> And two, when I was a little kid, I had, well, I had a crush. Sure. I had a number of crushes. Yeah. It was kind of, this was, I was, I was prepubescent, but you know, I still had little crushes. They were. Yeah. I had those. Harmless, but they were on boys. Okay. I didn't have those, but okay. I can remix this. I can re-edit this so it sounds like you do, uh, but I won't. Cardi reset that timer twice today. I, I, yeah. It's, it's uh, getting a lot of use. But here, so, so the difficult turn is, is this. New at 10, our first look at accused Kenosha gunman Kyle Rittenhouse after walking out of jail on $2 million bond. That is Rittenhouse there in the middle, lawyer on the left, and actor Ricky Schroeder on the right. CBS 2's Jermont Terry is live to explain how the actor helped get that teen out of jail. Ooh. No, Ooh. Ricky Schroeder Ooh. from Silver Spoons. Uh, I we're this. I'm sure, pretty sure we're the same age. I may be a little younger than he is, actually. I think yeah. I think he's a little bit older than you. I know him as little little Ricky. I don't even know the Stanton. I don't know their last names in the show from Silver Spoons. Uh, you might be a little too young to remember Silver Spoons. I, I watched a little bit. I was more of a Facts of Life uh, growing up, but yeah. But for those of you who don't who, who could remember but need a little refresher. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. A lot of the '80s uh, sitcom themes are fantastic, for sure. D different strokes and yep. uh, facts of life. And Alan Thicke actually wrote a lot of them. Did he's he really? He, yeah, he's dead now. But um, <laughs> well, yeah, way to kill the mood. <laughs> Sorry, you got you got to ruin it for you with Ricky Schroeder. You got to ruin it for me killing Alan Thicke off again. Damn it! Did damn. you have a thing for Alec Alan Thicke when you were young? <laughs> More of a father figure sort of thing, I guess. Oh, okay. But yeah, sure. Well, Ricky Schroeder was just this adorable little toe-headed kid, and I was a little brown-haired poor kid, and, was, and they were rich. And, right, right, of course. Um, Jason Bateman was on that the show. The main conceit of, of the uh, Silver Spoons, I think. Right, that they're that they're super rich. Yeah. Um, we had a friend who's, who who is my age as well, and 
I guess his mother would caution him after watching it that real people don't live that way. <laughs> um, different strokes, they were rich too, but it was yeah. two black kids from the inner city living with a rich guy. Right. But yeah, so it really, it broke my heart. I grew up with Ricky Schroeder and I just had the biggest crush on him. And not only is he just a MAGA person, like <sighs> I have trouble with Chris Pratt because he's a MAGA person and probably an anti-gay person. Do we, didn't we decide that he maybe isn't a MAGA person? We decided we couldn't know for sure. We but can't we, know for sure. Yeah. But we know he's anti-gay and he didn't want to participate in an event wherein a bunch of sure. uh, yes. Marvel Avengers actors were assembling raising money for biden yeah but they were assembling <laughs> assembling for joe biden he wanted yeah. no part of that yeah. but uh so yeah we kind of assumed but, we, we assume but ricky schroeder i mean i haven't thought of ricky schroeder in 20 in a decade or right, more at least yeah i mean not since i think he tried to make a comeback on some cop show as rick schroeder rick schroeder yes that's that's what he goes by now i heard well i'm still gonna call him ricky yeah. <laughs> little ricky but like it's one thing to be a maga person but to bail this kid this murderer out of jail who like is guilty of the senseless murder of innocent protesters i mean what level of monster does that make you i i mean i got i got nothing for you i mean that's <sighs> it's tough and there's a long list of 80s actors <laughs> that have become like reprehensible trump people there's scott bail also gorgeous in the 80s gorgeous young man and dean kane that was one of the ones I, yeah, I i grew up watching the uh his superman and it wasn't great but i always remember him as a superman and now he's a shit person it turns out <laughs> yeah he's a super douche um <sighs> tim allen kirstie Alley. kirstie alley is T tim allen my kids it's, it's almost christmas time right so my kids are watching the old santa claus movies with tim allen and i'm oh. like just suffering through them he's in one of my favorite movies of all time galaxy quest oh he's great in galaxy quest he's fantastic in it kind of plays a douchebag so i guess that kind of fits <laughs> i guess here's the alley james woods roseanne Barr, kevin sorbo, sorbo. hercules <laughs> i don't know if i called john john voight's on this list but i wouldn't call him necessarily an 80s actor he's been an actor and through many decades maybe maybe that was the reason some of their careers fizzled is stuff in the background that we're only finding out about now they're just terrible people who have terrible ideas well there was a brilliant jordan klepper tweet <laughs> so it's uh jordan klepper said dear god no one tell me what mr belvedere is up to now i can't take it <laughs> exactly <laughs> like what is, what is alf doing these days yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alf is in QAnon. he's he's a serial killer <laughs> the alien autopsies you so i thought it would be fun to put together a, a revised version of the silver spoons theme song <laughs> i put it together quickly so it's maybe not my best work but here you go here we are side by side a couple of far-right goons Knowing we still got liberals to kill Like father and son Let's get us some guns Together we're gonna take out libs Together but I got Antifa dibs We'll show everyone that white lives matter more Far raccoons together and start a civil war. Uh, we will be right back for a very special feature. The fall and fall of Rudy Giuliani. 
The Facts and Friends podcast is brought to you by people like you. More and more, corporate America is taking over the podcast scene. Your support helps stave off a complete takeover. Please take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and followers via social media or word of mouth. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for helping out. It really does mean a lot. Well, Judson. Yes? It's time to dust off this old intro. I'm dreaming of summer, cool breezes, fresh air. Unpr proudly presents Profiles in Douchebaggery. That is a douche commercial, the music. Good old, good old 80s commercials, too, man. <laughs> yeah, hey, we're staying on theme. It's a theme, yeah. Uh, and also, what's I think what's brilliant about that drop is that we had a douchebag recorded. <laughs> Disgrace former co-host. Of our last podcast, Mike. Disgraced former co-host. That's right. I <laughs> forgot we called him that. <laughs> His stink remained on that show even after he was gone. That's why we had to end it and start a new podcast. <laughs> Hi, Mike. That's not why. That's not why. Oh, no, that's not why. <laughs> that's not why at all. It's because not enough of you left five-star reviews or subscribed and downloaded our last show or, you know, you didn't follow us on Facebook. That's why. It's a cautionary tale. Hey, that's later. That's later, Tina. That's oh, later. sorry. <laughs> Getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, sorry. Well, Judson, that's right. It is Profiles and Douchebaggery, and this week we are taking a long, hard look at this guy. It's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. Truth is truth. I, I don't mean to go like... I, no, I it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. Truth isn't uh, truth. No, this no, is going to become wait, a bad don't, meme. Don't do, don't, do, don't do this to me. <laughs> yeah, it is a bad meme. <laughs> truth isn't truth. It, it, it is? It is. It, it's, it's a tautology. Truth is, in fact, truth. Yes. Don't do this to me, he says. That's Rudy Giuliani, everyone. We're going to go over his entire career quickly. Oh, boy. Uh, so in the beginning, he was a, a prosecutor in New York, right? Yeah. And he took on Wall Street. He took on the mob. And he kind of rose to fame for being tough on crime. Yeah. That's what skyrocketed him into the public spotlight and ultimately was a launching point to become mayor of New York in, I think, 1994. Okay. But he got credit for reducing crime significantly in New York City. But I, I did some research, and this report from Vox kind of offers a counterpoint to the notion that Rudy even was responsible for the drop in crime in New York City. Giuliani became mayor of New York City in 1994. Crime became his focus, and it fell during his administration. But today, it's debated whether his policies actually caused that. The crime drop started before he was in office. It continued after he left office. It was also visible in most other major American cities. Uh, so was it really something he was responsible for? I, I think it's questionable, but it's something he definitely took credit for. That sounds familiar. <laughs> and, and that at the end was Matthew Iglesias. He was or is a senior Vox. Was. Uh, I think he's leaving or le has just left. Yeah. Okay. Well, then was. I think he's one of the Substack people jumping over to Substack for... It's like Patreon for writing, sort of. Oh, okay. Well, he was a, a Vox senior correspondent uh, back when that was recorded. He was until like last week, I think. Or he may, it may even still be. This is a very recent development. Oh, so. wow. Well, all right. Well, um, you are really up to date on your uh, Vox correspondence. <laughs> I follow Matthew uh, and some other Vox folks. So. Okay. Well, and another thing to remember is that Giuliani's administration implement, implemented stop and frisk, which yes, is... Yes, I was, I was going to say that. I mean, that's, that's part of the what he takes credit for in the crime prevention and reduction 
Right. That was giving cops permission to walk up to anyone for any reason and frisk them. One of those main reasons turned out to be racism. Yes. Being black or brown. Yeah. Was was the main reason. I think there were plenty of studies showing that by far cops targeted. Yeah, disproportionate number. Yeah, I don't have the statistic, but I I've see, I remember seeing it. And it it's was, a lot. It's, it's a lot. Just pick a, pick a number, folks. It's, 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 it's a lot. And then also under Giuliani, police started shooting and killing unarmed black men. And that was even before it was popular. <laughs> <laughs> He's the hipster of, of police crime, police violence. Yeah. He is a trendsetter, Judson. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I feel like, and the reason we said it was the fall and fall of Rudy Giuliani is that there were indicators, even from the very start, suggesting what Giuliani could possibly become. Like sort of the author- authoritarian thing. Obviously, he's always been a Republican. But this crazy Giuliani that we're going to end the story on, we're eventually going to get there. The evolution of Rudolph Giuliani. Yeah. The the grains were always there, right? Right. Even in yeah. his early career. It wasn't a rise and fall. So then, obviously, 9-11, right? Right. What's interesting, and people don't necessarily remember this part, is that 9-11 was actually the day where New York City was voting on who their next mayor was going to be. Giuliani had two terms and was not running again. So it was at the very, very end of Giuliani's tenure as mayor. I didn't even realize that. So he was actually like on the way out, essentially a lame duck mayor at that point. Yes. Wow. And yet built this reputation. On 9-11. On 9-11. For basically yeah. a few months. Wow. Um, now, I remember 9-11. I lived in New York City when it happened. Right. And it was very a very difficult trying time for all New Yorkers. And, you know, I never really drank the Giuliani Kool-Aid. Sure. I hear it runs down your face if you do. <laughs> That's a side effect. The stain never comes off. <laughs> the stain never comes off. But um, he really didn't do that much. You know, he was just the mayor for a few months. Yeah, he gave speeches. He was visible. Right. But he was able to catapult that into a future presidential run, which we'll get to. But what he did shortly after leaving office is... He, rather than sort of continuing in the public eye, he leveraged his 9-11 reputation as, quote, unquote, America's mayor. And that's, I hear the same as Dallas Cowboys are America's football team. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah. Or Trump is looking to make America great again. (laughs) Not as broad as you might think from the title. But what he did is he leveraged that reputation into a private security company advising cities across the world. Wait, so Giuliani, the guy we see on the news all the time now, was convincing people to pay him yep. to consult on security issues. Yeah, he made over $11 million. Wow. For like a hundred and some speeches. <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> if he were so good at security, would 9-11 have happened? I, I, it seems like maybe less so, but I, I'm also thinking like, right. this is the guy that got tricked just this year by like by, by Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah. Well, I mean, like he was in charge of, you paid him money to talk to you about how you should, you could be more secure. Right. Oof. So then ultimately he ran for president. Yes, he did. I remember And this that. was in 2008. Yep. We, were, we thought, yeah, we thought he'd be the one, right? Yeah, we thought he was going to be... America's mayor was going to be the uh, the the nominee, but everything went to hell. And <laughs> I just I wanted to play this audio of Biden, since Biden's now the president elect. Yep. Talking about Giuliani in one of the Democratic presidential debates of that year. Rudy Giuliani. I mean, think about it. 
Rudy Giuliani, there's, th there's only three things he mentioned in a sentence, a noun and a verb and 9-11. I mean, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. <laughs> and that kind of defines... That's a good line. That's a, that's a good line. <laughs> it's a great line. That kind of defined his candidacy. Yeah. Well, Giuliani had words for Biden. Now, granted, this is about two decades later or a decade and a half later, but I figured tit for tat, right? Right. Giuliani on Biden. Yeah. Only, only fair. Biden has changed his principles so often... He no longer has any principles. Was that was it was it wait, hold for applause? Please clap at the end of that. I mean, it's just so it, it just also fits into that syndrome where so many of the Trump people, when they say something, every accusation is an, is admission. an admission, right? Everyone, every Everyone. time. And then that one is not uh, not not an exception. Well, anyway, after that failed, I'm trying to rush through this so we can get to the good parts, the juicy sure, parts, the good part. The dripping parts. The dripping parts. <laughs> so after his failed presidential campaign, he kind of just disappeared. He, he would pop up on like Fox News as a pretty frequent contributor, uh, quote unquote. Uh, I mean, he would contribute. I don't, I don't right. know. Right. To what? Yeah. yeah. But during this time, also, he started working with sort of shadier and shadier clients in his, with his security company. Okay. Like a corrupt Ukrainian mayor and an Iranian group that was once designated as a terrorist organization. Which actually, keep that in mind, because it plays a role later on. And I wanted to share, before we got into Giuliani's 2016 Trump years, I wanted to share one of their earliest collaborations from over 20 years ago. Oh, no. Now, look what we've uncovered. It's Giuliani showing his softer side dressed in drag in a comedy skit with Donald Trump. You know, you're really beautiful. The spoof was filmed 16 years ago when Giuliani was mayor of New York for a charity dinner, so it was all in good fun. Oh, you dirty boy, you! Oh, oh! Okay, so... Wow. So what's happening when Giuliani is... Let me paint the word picture for you. Oh, please don't. No, no. I've seen the actual picture. You've seen the picture? Yeah. Where he's like in a red wig and a pink dress with huge fake boobs. Yep. And that last moment where he's saying, oh, no, you dirty boy. Donald Trump is burying his face in Giuliani's fake boobs. Oh, man. At that moment. That aged very well. <laughs> wow. Doesn't that have a name in straight culture when a guy... Sticks his face between a woman's boobs and like shakes his head. Motorboating. Oh, that's the word you're looking for. Wow. I, I'm sorry, I asked. <laughs> now I want an Urban Dictionary mo motorboating, but uh, <laughs> we're trying to keep these segments under under a certain amount of time. So, anyway. 20 years ago, actually, they weren't very good friends, uh, even though they were both like prominent New Yorkers. Prominent to stretch on at least one of those guys' behalfs. They were well known. Well known. Okay. All right. But when he became part of the 2016 campaign, this is when he really started emerging as a conspiracy theorist and an overall Trump head henchman. He was one of the leaders on the news network spreading that conspiracy theory about Hillary Clinton's failing health. Right. Remember that one where she, that? Yeah. she had pneumonia and she like yeah, she had pneumonia. Yeah. And she just kind of stumbled getting into a vehicle. Yeah. And that became a whole conspiracy about how she was terminally ill or yeah, just un unfit to be president because she was so sick. And she's still taking hikes in the woods. So fuck all y'all. <laughs> so Giuliani is just one of many of Trump's uh, on air attack dogs during this 2016 presidential campaign. But then comes a twist. The Access Hollywood tape drops. Uh, yep. And so many Republicans jumped ship at that moment. Not enough. 
Not enough. Not enough. But Giuliani, Giuliani was able to fill a void that was left there when they sought to, when those other Republicans sought to distance themselves from Trump. And I think that's when he earned a lot of points. Because at that point, I did not think Trump could become president anymore. I, I like how you described that, though, in the in the transactional nature that is Trump's life. Oh, yeah. As, as, as Giuliani Giuliani was earning points with Trump, basically, literally earning points with him for blind and misplaced loyalty. <laughs> you get the most points for that, Tina. <laughs> you do. But it turned out Giuliani wasn't Trump administration material. Because who, he, who would have thought? Because, well, I mean, that bar is pretty fucking low. <laughs> it's true. But it was because of all things that he was too shady. His past dealings with those organizations I told you about when they, he was starting dealing with shady and shadier clients. Here we thought they had no standards at the White House. <laughs> They don't, but <laughs> early on, <laughs> I guess they were pretending to. And to this day, he has never been part of the White House or the Trump administration in any way. Right. So after not landing a spot in the Trump administration, after being his loyal attack dog through thick and thin, Giuliani retreated back to the role of on-air talking head, staunch Trump defender. This is him going after law enforcement. After the raid on Wait, Law and Order Giuliani? <laughs> That's right, Judson. Mayor Law and Order was full on attacking law enforcement after they raided then Trump's personal attorney, Michael Cohen, who has also been a feature of Profiles in Douchebaggery. <laughs> he has. In our old show. Do you feel like Cohen and, and Giuliani are in some sort of weird like looper situation? <laughs> Now do we have to explain the plot of Looper? No, no, we're just going to go on. Okay. <laughs> have you seen Looper and not Inception? <laughs> just go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> so this is what he had to say in the wake of the FBI raid on Cohen's house. The only possible violation there would be, was it a campaign finance violation? Which usually would result in a fine, by the way, not this big storm stormtroopers coming in and breaking down his apartment and breaking down his office. So we call them stormtroopers. He did. I heard and that. he went on to like liken them to Nazis. Yep. And just basically all around shitting on law enforcement. Which is funny how they're really, you know, pro-police and law and order right up until the police and the law are looking at them for crimes they've committed. Suddenly they're not. Suddenly, oh no, this is, this is, this is Nazi Germany. Ugh. Right. But... <laughs> When Trump turned on Cohen, and then Cohen had no reason to protect Trump anymore, and basically turned state's evidence yeah. on Trump completely, and had kept tapes, and Cohen, Cohen's a scumbag, right? Absolutely. No doubt about that. So he had also been ready to go after Trump should this fall through, and it did. I think 80% of the administration is in the same boat. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> But Cohen also never part of the administration, right. important to say, personal lawyer. But he's going to jail now, and he turned on Trump, and then Giuliani changed his tune. I expected something like this from Cohen. He's been lying all week. I mean, or, or for two, he's been lying for years. I mean, uh, the, t the tapes that we have demonstrate any number of very serious lies by him back a year and a half ago, including his fooling people, hiding tape recordings, telling they weren't recorded, lying to their face, breaking faith with them taping his client, which is a disbarable offense. I don't see how he has any credibility. I mean, this is basically if you had a trial, and there won't be a trial here, but if you had a trial, you'd say, well, which lie do you want to pick? You want to pick the first lie, the second lie, or maybe some new lie? And believe me, Rudy Giuliani knows disbarable offenses. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows about choosing between lies. Yes, he does. So completely turned on Cohen, unsurprisingly, which brings us to 2018. There's a vacancy now on Trump's personal legal team. 
That's right. His lead personal attorney, Michael Cohen. And let's be completely frank here. That is not a typical attorney job. It's more of a fixer job. It's exa- That's exactly what it is. That's why Cohen went to jail. <laughs> right, over the illegal Stormy Daniels payment. Yeah. So now I'd like to turn our focus on to Rudy Giuliani's many lowlights in his new role as Trump personal attorney. <laughs> Do we have that kind of time? Well, it'll be abridged. Okay. Because Trump only hires the best, right? <laughs> only the best. <laughs> the best and brightest. There's another 80s drop I want to play like right there. So let's just take a brief glimpse at the best around, the best personal attorney money and a rotting pea brain can buy, Rudy Giuliani. This is how he handled the Stormy Daniels controversy. Uh, This is around the uh, $130,000 payoff. Trump had just denied ever paying Stormy Daniels $130K. I remember this one. On on the plane. (laughs) He just completely denied it. And then a few days later, Giuliani goes on TV. And says this. Having, having, having something to do with paying some Stormy Daniels woman 130000 So they, they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm and the president repaid it. Okay. <laughs> so Giuliani maybe wasn't in that messaging meeting. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't pay her off, but we paid her off. <laughs> and then the president paid off the guy who paid her off. So, right. so that's double jeopardy. You can't, you can't convict him. Rudy Giuliani on Russian collusion. Trump had just said a few days before that he had not colluded. His campaign had not colluded with Russia. No collusion. There's nothing wrong with taking information from Russians. I'm not even know if that's a crime, colluding about Russians. A campaign finance violation? Give me a break. (laughs) That's always the evolution of the complaint. He didn't do it. Should we cut him some slack? Should we give him the benefit of the doubt? Maybe he just wasn't in on the messaging meetings? Well, that was the initial excuse about the the payment one the first one that he didn't have time to get up to speed on all the information from the case oh they actually used that excuse that's very funny yeah (laughs) he was also very good on ukraine (laughs) did you ask the ukraine to investigate joe biden no actually i didn't i asked the ukraine to investigate the allegations that there was interference in the election of 2016 by the ukrainians for the benefit of Hillary Clinton, for which there already is a court finding. You never asked anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, right. dismissed the case against anti. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> of course I did in the same interview. <laughs> in the same like 20 seconds later. If you, if you hit that little button on your device that takes you back like 10 or 20 seconds do that and you're gonna hear him say again that he that he didn't and then hit forward 10 seconds he says of course i did yeah same yeah. interview oh my god i also can't stand chris cuomo but anyway uh that's neither here nor there and again this is the giuliani abridged version because we just don't have time yeah he was the central figure in that clumsy ridiculous hunter biden laptop cluster fuck and we're not even getting into the borat insanity where he's duped into fondling himself in a room with a young woman in a feature film by a well-known comic actor when it comes to unforced errors this is a very accomplished man (laughs) not a good look for a security expert that's for sure and then there was the first press conference after the election at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. 
a new national monument. <laughs> I think they did file paperwork for that. Uh, there's definitely a petition to make it one. That's for sure. Okay. It's not as good as your petition, but you know, it's a, it's a petition. But that is where Giuliani learned of the network's call for Joe Biden. Oh uh, yeah, they're actually in the middle of the press conference. Who was it called by? All the oh my goodness, all the networks! Wow, <laughs> all the networks! We have to forget about the law. Judges don't count. All the networks, all the networks. Come on, don't be don't be ridiculous. Networks don't get to decide elections. Courts do. It's it's all the same networks that called the election in 2016 for Donald Trump. Right. That suddenly can't call it this year for Joe Biden. I just want to correct him on elections there at the end. Networks do not decide elections, but neither do courts necessarily. That's a last resort. Voters Voters do. decide elections. Right. It turns out. Also, that loses something in translation to audio only podcasting because his gestures and facial expressions. I mean, he just looked completely unhinged. Well, I mean, he just found out that they lost the election that he's been telling everyone they were suing to continue. Right. So then Giuliani becomes the Ku Klux Klan's premier head lead election fraud lawyer. It's, it's called Grand Wizard, man. Come on. Grand Wizard. And just some highlights here. They don't have highlights. It's all lowlights. Oh, no wonder I couldn't find anything here in the research. <laughs> in court, this is from a Washington Post report. In court, Giuliani alleged, quote, widespread nationwide voter fraud, of which this is a part. And then he admitted that, well, there wasn't fraud in the legal sense, just in the hysterical made-up Trumpian sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that clears it all up. Throughout the afternoon, Giuliani misspoke calling Joe Biden Bush. Uh, <laughs> he was denigrated by defense counsel. He expressed dismay that Republican counties didn't let voters fix mail-in ballots, but turned his legal wrath on Democratic counties that did. And he was just incompetent in court. We even have this sound of him not understanding what strict scrutiny is. A very basic legal concept. B very basic. And we're not even lawyers. Yeah. Why don't Secretary Bukvars and the counties satisfy the standard review that you're talking about? If it's not strict scrutiny and it's, it's the standard review you're implying, why don't their actions satisfy this? I, I, I'm sorry, I don't really understand the question you're on. Well, this, this is how I would look at it. I, I would think that it's, it's a standard review of strict scrutiny. You're not sure that that's the case. I'm not. I'm not imposing my. Maybe opinion. I don't. Maybe I don't understand what you mean by street. Well, for street. <laughs> Only the best and brightest, Judson. It's never a good sign when the judge has to explain first-year law degree terms to you. So, if you were scratching your head earlier when we mentioned that 31 of 33 Trump post-election court cases had been thrown out or lost now it's all starting to make sense isn't it yeah so here we are judson at the at the climax so far at least of this car wreck of a life and career of giuliani we've arrived at the leaky face press conference <laughs> did you all watch my cousin Vinny? Did, you know the movie my, it's one of my favorite uh, law movies because he comes from brooklyn and uh, when the, the nice lady who said she saw, and then he, uh, he, he says to her, how many f fingers do I, how many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away than my cousin Vinny was from the witness. 
turns out in the movie, she needed very heavy prescription glasses, too, and didn't have them on. Right. It wasn't just it was too far away. It was that she couldn't possibly have seen anything like that without her glasses. Ah, Judson, what do we know? We're just two youths. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you're not going to believe this, Judson. I'm not. Go on. <laughs> but we actually have the Biden team's rebuttal. Uh, everything that guy just says, bullshit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> love joe pesci yeah uh <laughs> i remember the old carlin bit where he's talking about he doesn't pray to god because he doesn't believe in god but he worships the sun but he prays to joe pesci because <laughs> joe pesci can get shit done <laughs> wait why are you laughing judson do you think i'm funny what, what, what? i'm funny how i mean funny like i'm a clown i amuse you i make you laugh i'm here to fucking amuse you what do you mean funny funny how so funny <laughs> So finally, the centerpiece of this insane press conference was this new theory of rather than these isolated pockets of fraud on all these various different counties around the country, they have put forth the theory of a massive conspiracy for for widespread fraud. And I'm going to let the master attorney lay it out for us. I'm, sh- I'm sure they've got tons of evidence for this one. They all independently come up with that. Like... Just by coincidence, they say, hey, you know, we're going to put we're going to put the Republicans in pens and corrals. We're going to do it in Pittsburgh. We're going to do it in Philadelphia. We're going to do it in Detroit. We're going to do it in Milwaukee. We're going to do it in Las Vegas and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! <laughs> Oh, Howard. I almost made that so much longer. I was going to put in uh, Kokomo, like Aruba, <laughs> Jamaica. Ooh, I want to take it. <laughs> it's like that rabbit hole could go to the clip with me like three minutes long. <laughs> so I came up on it. Throwing like the Animaniacs, singing the countries of the world. <laughs> United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. <laughs> so this is the... This is the his closing argument on massive fraud. I think the logical conclusion is this is a common plan, a common scheme. It comes right directly from the Democrat Party and it comes from the candidate. So it's the whole Democratic Party and Joe Biden orchestrating this massive fraud scheme. Yeah. In, in states that are where their electoral systems are set up and run by Republicans. I'm sure that's the way that works. Yeah. So what a tragic character. What a train wreck of a human being, if he could even be called that. I don't know that you leak from where he's leaking <laughs> and can be reliably called a human being. It is lending a little credence to the idea of lizard people, I gotta say. <laughs> Jetson, are you going QAnon on me? I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but that, that was weird. That was just weird shit right there. But I think there's no better way to sum Rudy Giuliani up as a man than just to let his own words speak for themselves. And by the way, it took me five takes to say those last few words. (laughs) Accurate. I don't see how he has any credibility. I mean, this is basically if you had a trial and there won't be a trial here, but if you had a trial, you'd say, well, which lie do you want to pick? You want to pick the first lie, the second lie, or maybe some new lie? That felt a very, very, a closer look. It very, it really did. Always go with the new lie, though. Always go with the new lie. (laughs) And this has been a grosser look. (laughs) All right, we will be right back to close out the show. 
Stay tuned, there's still more fun to be had. Hey FNFers, Judson here. Tino and I are always looking to interact more with our fantastic audience. If you have questions, ideas, complaints, or just need a friend, you can reach out to us at factsandfriends at gmail.com. That's facts, the letter N, friends at gmail. And if you want to make a more intimate connection, I'm on Twitter at the fault in my arse. Again, the fault, the letter N, my arse. And you can find Tino at Uncle Tortilla. We can't wait to hear from you. Well, Judson, that's pretty much the show. It is, yeah. I think maybe you should share with our listeners the the personal battle you fought trying to sum up our Giuliani feature. <laughs> oh, and you wonder why I called you former friend in the open. <laughs> well, I think there's no better way to sum up Rudy Gi- I think there's no... Well, I think there's no better way to sum Rudy Giuliani up as a man... Ah, shit. <laughs> well, I think there's no better way to sum Rudy Giuliani... Oh, my God. <laughs> this could be an outtake. <laughs> but in my defense, I spent most of today trying to get inside the mind of Rudolph Giuliani. So please forgive me if it had some deleterious effects on my brain and made it hard to talk. You know what's not hard, Judson? Yes. Well, that too. But uh, what I was thinking about is uh, how it's not hard for our listeners to help us grow this show. And I know many of you have helped already, and thank you, but we could still use more help. Now, I know I'm sounding a little bit like uh, an NPR pledge drive. <laughs> every time I turn NPR on, it's a pledge drive. I don't understand. How I just possible. turn it off every time. Yeah, I do too. And I give them money already. Like, I, that's that's I'm already doing that. But they always say this. They're like... I'm sure there are people listening to this right now who have thought about helping out, <laughs> right. but haven't done so yet, but really mean to. Well, if all those people helped out, that would go a long way. The funny thing is, like, they wouldn't stop doing it. They'd still keep asking you for more money. Right. No, they would. And we will not stop asking you to subscribe or uh, leave your five-star reviews. Right. But it would help. Smash the like button. <laughs> That's right. No, wait, we don't have that. But we know we definitely could use your help. So the five-star reviews are big, but most importantly, telling your friends about the show. uh, (laughs) uh, That's the literally the best thing that you could do for us and suggesting that they subscribe and download. And hey, if they listen once, really hate it, and decide they never want to talk to you again, that's on us. (laughs) (laughs) And those people probably signed that petition asking me to stop telling jokes on this show. Those jerks. (laughs) I know you were one of them. I know you were one of them. (laughs) I wasn't. I wasn't. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Facts and Friends. And uh, if you do that, it would be really helpful if you retweeted our episode announcements. Also, we're on Facebook. Uh, we're not yet on Parlor, but I'm thinking of creating a Facts and Friends account for Parlor. Oh, boy. Yeah. But you can uh, follow us on Facebook. And when you do, each week we do post our episodes on Facebook. And it'd be great if you shared them with your friends. I know these are big asks because our show's not for everybody. Definitely not. <laughs> But if you could help us out, that would be fantastic. And thank you to everyone who already has. It does mean a lot. We are growing the audience a little Thanks, slowly. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, anyway, Judson, we're we're wrapping up the show. We don't really have a bit in this um, close. We normally do. but Yeah, I mean, last week we were not talking about Trump. And then this week... Well, last week you actually said those horrible things. Um, I did. Uh, in order unprompted but yeah, uh-huh unprompted that was what me. i did want to tell people is that there is not going to be a new show next week right i will be not celebrating thanksgiving with my dogs 
Right. And Judson will be spending his Thanksgiving alone, shirtless, and in his closet. <laughs> also, I mean, that, depending on how much scotch I have, that could be the way it goes. <laughs> and I don't know what else happens in that closet. I don't want to know. <laughs> also, we need at least two weeks to prepare our battle plans for this year's liberal war on Christmas. We've got a new recruit, though. And she's about to have a lot of time on her hands. We do have a new secret weapon. <laughs> and yes, she's about to have time to really help us out. Um, we're looking forward to, to her joining us in this year's war on Christmas. <laughs> but please, reminder from the top of the show, please, everyone, Thanksgiving responsibly. Please, 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 please. All of you American listeners, please Thanksgiving responsibly. And for the rest of you. Please Thursday responsibly. <laughs> well, no. I know they don't celebrate Thanksgiving outside of the U.S., but maybe they should take a moment and be thankful that that's where they live. Outside of the U.S. No, that makes sense. Yes. No, that makes sense. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot There's a lot to be thankful for there, folks. <laughs> there really is. There really is. The coup attempts aren't over yet. 250K this week? What do you think? 250K COVID cases? But, uh, on a single day? I don't think so. No? I think reporting is going to be um, suppressed by the holiday. Oh, the holiday. Yeah. Like, just like it drops in the weekends. I, well, I that think means the, ne- the week after is going to be huge. The week after, then we're going to have huge numbers. I think we will definitely break 250. I have a 300 uh, then. I forgot pushing it back another week. It could be. We hope not. We hope to be wrong, but since we... We haven't been wrong yet, We though. haven't, and we don't seem to have any leadership on uh, the national level in terms of tackling this pandemic. Not for about 60 more days. Can't wait. Yeah. All right, well, folks, have a great Thanksgiving. Again, a responsible one, and we will see you in two weeks' time. Take care, everyone. Take care. We're going to do it in Pittsburgh. We're going to do it in Philadelphia. We're going to do it in Detroit. We're going to do it in Milwaukee. We're going to do it in Las Vegas. And Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. Aruba, Jamaica. United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru, Republic, Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Greenland, El Salvador, too, Puerto Rico, Colombia, Venezuela, Honduras, Guyana, and still Guatemala, Bolivia, then Argentina, and Ecuador, Chile, Brazil. Into cities like right here in Detroit. Ah!